Welcome to the 140th episode of the Young Turps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, Dave Lamonico from Terrapin Times will be joining Jordan and I to talk about the Terps' early signing period and some guys that didn't sign today and what their outlook is. And of course, the five-star himself, Rakim Jarrett. Huge day for the Terps for football recruiting. We have the full recap of that with Dave Lamonico. And we will give you a long-awaited Terrapin Rundown, but before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or sending them a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can contact Allied at 301 nine eight six zero zero six seven or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, it's a very short non-rep report today. Uh, wrestling suffered a pair of early season defeats at the hands of Navy 21-12 to and then Rutgers 28-11. to But now one of three Terps face off against number 10 Pitt at home on Friday. Uh, not the start that uh, Adam Hughes was looking for over there. Not Adam Hughes, Alex Clemson, Jordan. You lose uh, the non-rep yeah. trivia on the day. Yeah, I need to get back on to winter sports here. You're right. Uh, women's basketball, the Lady Terps have only played twice since we last aired here on the podcast, going 2-0 and against Loyola of Maryland. And then on the road today at Georgia State, Bruno Fernando was in attendance at that one down in Atlanta. They topped 100 in both games, winning by margins of 60 and 73. The Terps next face number 22 Michigan at home on the 28th. Uh, junior guard Shanice Lewis will miss the rest of the season, unfortunately, with a torn lateral meniscus. The team is applying for a redshirt waiver to give her another season of eligibility. Yeah, uh, women's basketball is doing their thing. They're still right number 13, though, so they got something to prove in this Michigan game. Yes, they do. Uh, some Maryland football awards here. Offensive and special teams player of the year, Javon Leak. MVP, Antoine Brooks. And Brooks will also be playing in the East-West Shrine game so he'll get some NFL looks there. Yeah, those are really important for um, kind of, I won't say fringe prospects, but uh, those middle of the draft prospects, these all-star games are everything to them. You know, Antoine Brooks didn't surprise some people because the, the kid can play. It's as simple as uh, that. I totally agree. But he's going to have to prove it um, at these at the um, Shrine Bowl. Yeah, I think, his, I think his draft stock between his pro day, combine, uh, this Shrine Bowl, it's going to skyrocket. You know, you're just talking about a real football player gives 110%. A guy who who's going to be one of those Maryland kids that kind of flies under the radar then pops out in the NFL. Uh, so Maryland lacrosse news here on the men's side. Uh, the Terps have eight players playing for Team USA in the 2020 spring premiere. Uh, more than double the second most players from a single school at the event. Notre Dame has four. Matt Rambo voted as best player in the PLL, according to his fellow players. That's a big one. You know, Matt's a guy that, uh, he loves Bruce. He loves Terp Talk. And, uh, you know, we got a chance to talk with him at after the PLL event in Baltimore. Just a great guy. And the Terps are number four in both Lacrosse Magazine and Inside Lacrosse Preseason Poll. Looking for another Final Four appearance after last year's robbery. Oh, Robert, that's a bold word right there. That was a robbery. You're going to get Bruce started on it, Jordan, and I don't think you want that. I don't think you want him coming after you if you call it not a robbery. Uh, I, don't, I didn't see it live, so I'm not going to say anything. The ball uh, hit I'll the post. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to have to tell him. I'm going to tell him that you, you didn't uh, call it a robbery. I did not explicitly say it wasn't a robbery. Um, anyway, a Maryland alumni, David Kocher, earned eight guaranteed starts in the 2020 Corn Ferry Tour of the PGA. And this is a huge step up because last year this time, Dave was playing in the PGA Tour in China. So it'd be like if you got a two-year NBA contractor to play in China like this time last year. This is a huge step up. Yeah, uh, big step up, and great to see a Maryland golf alumni or alumnus uh, making it happen. Um, just a baseball little tidbit here. Maxwell Costas, last year's Big Ten Freshman of the Year, was named a college baseball preseason All-American. Hopefully uh, the Terps can get another College World Series run in the near future. And uh, this is a really interesting one for me, Mason. Show Marielle may be in uniform tomorrow, and the Terps take on Seton Hall per Adam Zagoria. I don't know if he'll play, but this is... Way faster than I thought he'd be in uniform, at least. Yeah, uh, the first indications were December. Uh, those were the early uh, headlines on on uh, Marielle for the Terps, but it lo- it was looking gloomy about, I think it was about three weeks ago now, maybe a month, uh, that he might not play at all this season. Now we're back to he might be in uniform. So well, it's a wait and see. You know, uh, I'm not really sold either way. If he plays, that's great. If not, I mean, you know, just give it a time. He had a very, very, very easy injury to re-aggravate, especially with the shin splints. Um, and yeah, uh, we're going to see. You know, I'm, I'm going to wait and see with him. Well, that's a good time I need to get into the Seton Hall game real quick before Dave comes on. Are you heading up to New Jersey for this one, Mason? No, I will not be. It was it was in the plans, but instead, uh, Wayne and I, if you're interested, there actually is a Terp commit playing in this game. We'll be calling the Maryland High school all-star football game by the name of the Crab Bowl in Salisbury on Saturday. Uh, Trey Smith, the guy who's in this Maryland class, will be playing in the game. So, no, we're skipping out on heading up to New Jersey, but we'll be out there in Salisbury on Saturday. If any of you are out there, make sure to let us know at YoungTerp1, but we will be doing the TV broadcast. Well, that is great for you guys. Um, so, this game looked a lot more appealing, I think, a few weeks ago. I think you'd agree with that, Mason. Seton Hall was 13 only, I think, two weeks ago. Since then, they have lost um, three out of the last five to Oregon. Um, Iowa State, who they played twice in a row, by the way. Um, Seton Hall was in the same tournament, preseason tournament, as Iowa State were, and they ended up playing them. And then three days later, they played them again, because that's just how the schedule worked out. And then the big one, though, is Seton Hall lost to Rutgers by 18 points. So they have really gone off the rails of late, and it's all because of injuries. Uh, the Pirates have lost their top two scores, including maybe the best college basketball player in the country, Miles Powell, with a concussion. Uh, things have just completely fallen off the rails for them. Yeah, um, you just mentioned it. The top two scores for this team are out. They were really run by, I know Jordan, you and I, over the Thanksgiving break, uh, saw... I believe it was Seton Hall and Oregon play. Uh, the Ducks took that one late, but Miles Powell is just a special talent, and it won't be the it won't be a look at the real Pirates without him. You know, you can kind of look at this game as uh, it looked great at one point as you just hit on, but now there's not that much to watch here. I mean, it, the Terps should roll, but the it's a game where Maryland needs to be back on track and a win that could look really good uh, come March because if Seton Hall gets those guys back, they'll be right back in the top 25 no doubt in my mind i think they will be ranked again if they get back to full strength here but until then this is just kind of disappointing because 
as, as everybody kept saying at the beginning of the season, that we don't play a ton of top-tier opponents in non-conference play, and one cap presented itself here, but just didn't work out. Uh, I feel bad for the Pirates, too. This looked like a really big game for them. This looked like a really great season for them, but it's really um, falling apart at the moment. So yeah, well, you, you know, you can kind of say that's falling apart, but at the same time, you can kind of see that it's not. You know, they they have two injuries right now. They're playing in you know a conference where you're not talking about nine of the ten teams in it being the Big East that can that are real basketball teams. You know, they have chance for quality win after quality win conference play. It's just a matter of time before the Seton Hall team's back on track. But this is the game that matters to us. This is a matter of game that matters to the. Uh, Terp fans listening to this podcast, so I guess to wrap it up, I think Maryland blows them out. You know, you're talking about a team that just got whacked by Rutgers. I hope so, but Maryland, not as much this season, but they sometimes play down to the competition a little bit, and I'm worried. Like, Mark Kirchner was really adamant this week that the Terps are going to st- be back on track against Seton Hall, who's really being careful and keeping his team motivated through this nine-day uh, break. Excuse me. And, yes, if they're firing out cylinders, they should blow them out. Um, and that's what we're going to predict, too. But I, I maybe it's just I know I've watched the team so much, Mason, but I am so on edge for this game. I'm terrified we're going to mess this up somehow. Yeah, this is kind of the game uh, for me where I look at Mark Turge and I look at, at at everything that we've seen over the past, what is it, how many years uh, now, Jordan? Uh, I think this is year nine. Yeah, eight or nine years, and say, you know what? He keeps saying this team's made out of something different. I think this is the game they can point at and look at that and see if it's true or not and really test it. Um, you know, he keeps saying this team's different. Now let's see if uh, if guys like Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith stand up in that locker room and say that last game was BS and that's unacceptable and we don't play that. I'll, I'll throw it in there again. We don't play like that BS. We're a better team than that. And it's time to step the bleep up and go out there and show, show America that we're still we're still there. You know that we're still a top tier basketball team that's meant to do it. That that's that's it right there. You know if somebody somebody is willing to say that, and they're willing to play like it, then you can say this team's different than your other ones. But until then, we saw more of the same against Penn State. Um, but yeah, this game means a lot more than if they just beat a seen injured Seton Hall team or not. I think this game's going to show a lot of fans. Uh, it's going to shape a lot of fans' opinions on them. Yeah, I agree. And after this, we had another huge break, a uh, 10-day break for Christmas before we played Bryant. Um, so hopefully we, we better win this one because we can't have two really long breaks with just sitting on losses. Until then, though, we have to shoot out this out before we go. Anthony Cowan graduated today, and um, I, I could not be happier that he is a Terp in the end. I think it means a lot that top-tier talent, even Anthony Cowan, who his entire family goes to Maryland, something to do with Maryland, at least, that they want to come here, they want to be here, and to see him graduate, I think, means a lot to a lot of fans. Yeah, so do I, and uh, congratulations to Anthony, and now let's uh, talk about some future Terps. Now that we just talked about a graduating Terp, uh, let's bring in Dave Lamonico to the podcast to talk about all things Maryland football's early signing period. Now we welcome in one of our favorite guests to talk recruiting with, as always, Terrapin Times, Dave Lamonico. Dave, how are you doing on this? Uh, is it the second early signing period that we've had for football? 
Um, yeah, I think so. I've been on. I, uh, yeah, I was on last year um, for that too. And uh, yeah, you guys have me on, and uh, I'm glad to be back. So let's get into it. Huge day for the Terps, and we guess got to start it off with the five star himself, Rakim Jarrett, flipping from LSU to Maryland. Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, this was one that um, pretty much nobody saw coming. Uh, you know, Jarrett had, uh, as, <laughs> as kids are sometimes want to do, um, uh, sort of led on the media and everyone else <laughs> that that he would be going one that he would. Even coaching staffs even let him because even the Maryland coaching staff and the LSU coaching staff and the Alabama coaching staff had no idea. Um, he had let on that he wasn't going to sign until February. Um, you know, uh, Maryland was going to stay. Mike Loxley even said that they, they were going to stay in the game and keep trying to flip them. LSU was saying how they were going to have to stay on him too, and Alabama was trying was was going to try to go out and see him again in January and stay in the game, and all of a sudden. That, that all changed for the coaching staffs, media fans. <laughs> the kid just puts it out, and, uh, you know, um, just that put it, puts out that he committed. And even Loxley was like, eh, <laughs> I had no idea. And, um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a pretty big shock for, for all of us. And uh, a good good day for, for Maryland Maryland fans to, to keep a local kid home like that, a five-star receiver, highest-rated kid since Stephon Diggs was, uh, was signed. Yeah, Dave, I mean, we heard it from Loxley himself, actually, and the staff, they were just like, yeah, they saw something on social media, and they were like, what, like, what has happened? Right, right uh, I, yeah. That, that's got to be one of the more uh, surprising ways, I assume, these guys who yeah, have even been yeah, in the business seen, for a while have seen. Yeah, I've seen some pretty some pretty strange ones. If, if you have another uh, half hour to 45 minutes, I could, I could delve into them, but yeah, that ranks, it, it ranks middle to pack. Uh, there's definitely been some strange ones that I've seen, but... Um, but yeah, it was definitely a shock for all of us and it forced us in the media all to have to scramble and rewrite stories and things like that. But yeah, good day for Maryland though. It kind of reminded me of, and I don't know if you remember this one, there was a running back, I think it was in the first Durkin class that, oh, um, that was, yeah, that did that. He basically was trolling Maryland. Maryland never even sent him a, the kid from Tennessee that committed. Yeah. Maryland never even sent, yeah, Maryland never even sent him a national letter of intent. So he couldn't have signed even if he wanted to. But yeah, that was just a total troll job by that kid. Sort of like, um, <laughs> I'm not even getting into it, but go ahead. What's the next question, guys? <laughs> well, one thing that I think I noticed a lot of people did is there's only a handful of DMV kids in this class. And I was wondering, if that was on purpose or just going to happen this year for the yeah, definitely, it definitely did happen. Um, DMV, I mean, I'll, I'll be totally blunt. I mean, sometimes uh, it, <laughs> I talk to all the reporters. Sometimes we talk about some of the uh, most difficult kids to deal with, and it's always to a man. It's always DMV kids first, and then Florida kids right around second. DMV kids can be quite mercurial, especially the higher rated ones, and um, they are very much show me something type of kids it's like and a lot of these higher rated kids in the dmv um they're looking at maryland going three and nine and really one and eleven two of those wins weren't even you know <laughs> howard whatever Rutgers or whatever so these dmv kids are, are looking at maryland and they're like well i don't know and so you know they weren't really that interested and and, and so they had to get so Loxley and uh, the assistants were building their class with JUCOs because they needed depth up front and out of state guys that um that that you know that they had but they had uh, were more highly that maybe were not as highly rated as, as some other as some other recruits but were were guys that had some skills and they had to go after those kids because you know 
it seemed like the perception of Maryland was a little bit better out of state than it was in state in the D.C. area in the DMV. And then, you know, all of a sudden with this late flurry, now Maryland's got top 30 class. Now some of the DMV kids in the 2021 class maybe are, will give a closer look to Maryland. Of course they want to see wins. So it's got to translate to the field, but you know, you sign a guy like Ken Jarrett, um, you know, you sign some known guys, um, just, I mean, they probably don't know DMV kids don't know Penny Boone and Ruben Hippolyte and those guys, but you know, you sign a guy like Jarrett, um, that sort of sends a signal that, you know, hey, we're going to give it a closer look. Um, now, of course, like I said, you got to win because th- this happened before, too. Everybody, you know, when Stefan Diggs signed, we're sitting there talking about this big windfall, um, you know, how Maryland's going to get all these top-level guys. And, you know, they got a couple, but, you know, they ultimately didn't win. And <laughs> a lot of the top DMV kids still didn't come. So, you know, it, it's great to get Jarrett, and it builds some momentum. And, you know, Loxley's got the ear of a lot of these 2021 kids. Remember, they already have three commitments in the 2021 class from um, uh, in Jalen Venerable. And uh, I, the, the other two, I, I got, you know, escapes me right now, but three DMD kids already in the 2021 class. So, um, you know, they've already off to a good start. Um, we'll see what, how this translates um, with, with the, this late flurry here, how, how much it's going to hit home with the DMD kids. Yeah, Dave, let's uh, move on to another one of those DMV kids that are in this class, uh, our second one of the four, uh, Boo Braid, a guy from Clarksville up at River Hill High School in Howard County, a guy that chose the Terps over, was it Michigan? Um, Michigan, uh, his recruiting was so long ago that I can't remember. I don't think. Yeah, I have in front of me. It's Michigan. <laughs> yeah, Michigan was the. Yeah, yeah, Michigan was one of them. Was in that. Um, some of those schools, I think Michigan was sort of fifty-fifty on them, so they didn't press as hard. But some of the other ones, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake. Yeah, yeah, he had some nice. He's a kid that I liked a lot. I saw him play um, in person, and you know he's more of a strong safety type. He's not going to be. He's not going to be sitting back there in center field, but he's really good in the box. Um. Really does it. He really gets down the alley and can really deliver a thump. Um, I enjoyed watching him play, and I thought that he was pretty good and could and pretty much deserved most of the attention, the recruiting attention that he did get. Um, and Maryland, that was a good get for Maryland to get him over. You know, schools like UNC, West Virginia, Voltec, Wake, and then um, you know Michigan was was sort of. I think they had another commit the commits they were looking at. So, but um, yeah, nice offers there, nice get in Bo Braid. Um, something that. A lot of people have been talking about is the amount of independent community college kids on this uh, in this class. I think there's four or five. Yeah. What was about and what was about independence that made the Maryland staff push so hard to get kids from that school? I don't know if it was if it was the independence itself. It was. I mean, because it's not like Iowa Western where you know there's obviously Maryland's got the connection there with Donnie Woods, and it's not like um. Uh, which we call it up in up in uh, Pennsylvania where they got T.J. Bradley. Um, Lackawanna. Uh, Oh yeah, it's not like Lackawanna, which is a very well-known one that Maryland has connections to. Um, it's not. I mean, it, basically, they just. I think they just went in there because they 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 were looking at DeAndre Butler, who was a very. It's still on the board because he's not signing until February on the defensive end, and he's a was a highly coveted defensive end, and he was one of the first JUCOs that Maryland offered. So they were going to see him. Um, you know, I, I think Del Calcet was in to see him, and he's like, "Whoa, they got some other big boys here too." And so that that it just sort of happened that that they looked at these guys after by by through DeAndre Butler while they were there scouting DeAndre Butler, they noticed they had a bunch of other big guys and tossed out late offers too, um, mainly because Maryland 
needs needed depth up front and they're like you know these you know if they if they pan out you know great if not well they're jucos they're here for a couple of years and then they're gone so they took some flyers on some of these kids we'll see if they work out but um uh, more they, they do look like some good depth pieces and guys like Johari Branch could probably step in and play left guard right away so we'll see what happens there yeah right away has to be something that the Terps fans uh, love to see but when you talk about the other big guys the uh, ones that will come in as freshmen not a lot of guys they're going to see right on the field but some program building pieces any of those guys stand out to you yeah um gotta, it's hard to say because I, I always like to evaluate kids in person um, because you know a lot of times remember remember highlight films are, are just that highlight films so you don't see the kid you know what he can do all game long and things like that so some of the some of the lower rated kids in Florida that you know maybe popped a little bit like a Frankie Burgess and um, like a Glendon Miller they, they I mean their film their film popped up their highlights popped a little bit but before I can say like hey you know this guy's an underrated talent you know I'd like to see them more you know I, I would have liked to see them more like in person to, to say that definitely you know this kid is a dark horse candidate but yeah they definitely have some skills that translate those two that i said miller and and frankie burgess as pass rushers and glenda miller as a as a strong safety type um the same thing with rod will not out of aquinas that's obviously one of the top three or four high schools in the country so getting him from there you know he's going to be well coached just because of where he comes from um usually aquinas kids get a lot more um, attention on the recruiting trail so that kind of concerned me a little bit that he didn't have a lot of high level power five offers um, as a starting defensive end for Aquinas but um, you know like his film looked pretty good um, so you know we'll see how he's going to develop and obviously he has the smarts and he's probably already got the technique down so he's another one to look at another kid from Florida um, and then I did see Daywan McDougal play in person he's more well he's not really an under the radar guy um, when, when he played St. John's, so I saw him. Um, not sure if there's any other under, uh, you're talking about under-the-radar guys. Um, th- those Maybe those kids from Florida that I mentioned were probably the main ones. Oh, Nick DeGenero, um, the, the slot receiver from New York, um, or New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I liked his I liked his film a lot. I talked to people that have seen him play live, and they said like he, he's really small and he's going to have to get bigger, um, add on some weight and things like that, or he's going to get killed in the Big Ten. But I like his speed. He's able to break away, and I like his moves. I think he could be a really effective slot receiver, um, sort of like how they pulled Dino Tomlin in late last year as a slot guy out of, out of Pennsylvania. I kind of I kind of like how DeGenero plays, so that that would be another one. Yeah, that was a guy that Coach Loxley was really high on today in the press conference. You know, right. he pointed him out like, like a lot, like he did with Dino Tomlin too last year, Dave. If you remember, right, as one right. of his like favorite guys in the class. It's just like these are down the line guys, but I see with Dejon McDougal and Raheem Jarrett, you're getting immediate kind of. Uh, I believe it was called Alpha Dog around around the uh, media level receivers right, that right, you're going to kind of need because you have some great pieces. Daryl Jones, Dante Demas, Jay Sean Jones should be coming back. You just hoping that one of these guys can pan out to be that true number one. Oh sure, sure, sure. And remember Isaiah Hazel is there too. So if he takes the next step, he's going to be in there um, as well coming back next year. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, obviously there's a lot. And don't forget, uh, Corey Deitches is still set to sign too in, uh, in February and all signs point to him still signing with Maryland. So they've got some 
good receivers coming in in terms of, um, you know, the Deitches, McDougal, Jarrett, and, uh, and DeGeneres. All those guys could be early contributors. I'm not sure that there's going to be enough <laughs> balls to go around. And, of course, you're going to need a quarterback to get him the ball. But there's definitely some um, some pieces there. And all four of those guys look like they can contribute right away. I did see Deitches. He was the one that I saw play in person. And he's, he's, a, he's really good. So, um, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing him sign in February if all goes according to plan. Dave, something else I kind of wanted to touch on is there's a lot of Florida kids in this class, and um, as I assume most of our listeners know, Florida has a pretty strong argument for being the best recruiting area in the country. Is think you think the Terps got some um, good traction in Florida, maybe to get some bigger tax oh, in yeah. the future? Well, yeah, they, they, I mean they've. I think even since uh, Durkin prioritized Florida, um, and uh, Edsel prioritized Florida. They, they've always, the Maryland staffs, and most staffs, um, you know, across the country or on the East Coast uh, <laughs> do try to get to Florida. Um, that's always a big thing. I mean, Maryland under Durkin, they had like six guys recruiting Florida. So, um, and I think Edsel even had like four or five guys in Florida and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, Loxley obviously has connections down there that he was able to use last year and, um, this year, you got Mike Miller down there. Um, Brian Williams did a great job down in South Florida. He's down there too. And then, obviously, yeah, you know, you send in guys like uh, Scotty Montgomery and and uh, and John Reagan and guys like that to, to close on position prospects that you need. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they got some effective pieces and they got some connections to a lot of the schools down there. And you know, the thing with Florida is that. Um, maybe the, the top four and five starter kids, there's so many of them. Um, and most of those kids will get gobbled up by the, uh, by the national programs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the SEC schools of the world and things like that. But some of the, the three stars, um, are maybe comparable to four stars in other states. Um, just because they get, you know, <laughs> they, they almost get overlooked in a way because there's so much, there's so much, there's such a lot of talent there. So sort of like Jason Jones. Um, remember that kid was, um, you know, <laughs> he was, he was a three-star kid coming out, but you're watching him play and you're like, how is this kid not a top four-star recruit? And it's, you know, you get overlooked in a, little, in a way. So, um, at schools such as Maryland and, you know, um, Purdue and, you know, some of the other schools, Wake Forest, um, North Carolina, NC State, they can go down there and sort of cherry pick a couple of these, uh, a couple of these kids that, that, that maybe get pushed down just a little bit and they can be effective players for you. So. Yeah, let's hit on one of those guys now. Maybe just a little bit above that. A guy who had a lot of national attention, got the Terps a lot of attention on Twitter, Ruben Hippolyte. Got to be a guy that you kind of look at to come in and immediately contribute, Dave. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. The position in need. Um, he was a guy that Mar- Maryland lucked into that. Um, you know, he, he did entertain other other places. Um, and I still believe that that if my Miami sort of filled up their spots and, you know, he went to Miami like three times <laughs> and I, I still believe that, that if Miami had room, he might've flipped um, there, but you know, Maryland, Maryland sort of, they did a really good job staying in touch with him with, uh, with, with Brian Williams of his position coach and obviously Loxley and, and John Hoke. And they all, they all were down there and making sure that he, that he was, he was on board. So they did a really good job keeping him in tow. And he's a, you know, he, like I said, I did not see him live, but based on his film, it really does pop. He can get, he looks like he gets sideline to sideline explosive. Um, you know, he's about as effective as an outside linebacker as I've seen Maryland get sometime. So, yeah, let's move on to, a spot that uh, the Terps 
lost a bit out running back, but kind of just reload with it. Uh, Terps land. Was it Penny Boone or Ebony Jackson that ended up signing today, Dave? No, it was it was uh, it was Penny Boone. Uh, Ebony Jackson. So the deal with him is that you know he obviously tore his ACL. The feeling here is that Maryland's probably going to ask him to gray shirt, which means that he wouldn't be part of this class. He'd be part of the 2021 class. Um, Maryland's up against it anyway with 23 commitments, and then you got Deitches signing 24, and um, you know some of the other guys uh, that they're looking to bring in. Um, so you can only take 27. Um, there might not be room for for Ebony Jackson in this class, so we're going to see what happens with that one. Um, we do think that he's going to come, but it might be on a gray shirt, so we'll see what happens there um, with that one. And yeah, but Penny Boone is is definitely uh, again just his film just popped. Um, got a kid that has that has big time size. He's six foot two, two twenty, two ten. Um, can really grind between tackles, but has surprising speed and can really get outside and, and hit the home run as well. Um, so he's, uh, he looks like he could be a guy that, that I think could potentially start or have significant carries from day one. And that's ahead of Teon Fleet Davis, presuming he comes back, Lolo Harrison, presuming he's healthy, and the other guys on the roster. So, Yeah, and then Isaiah Jacobs, another running back. Obviously, the I say Isaiah Jacobs, who was the last one today, kid out of Oklahoma, um, who I actually, I had totally forgot Maryland, because um, I actually did a story on him months ago when they offered him and i kind of wrote him off like yeah no there's no way they get an oklahoma kid to come to maryland this is a pipe dream but i remember he had a lot of good things to say and i went back and looked at the story and i was like wow he really did have a lot of good things to say about maryland when i interviewed him because they um they offered him a while ago and they just stayed on him and um you know they uh they they were sort of they sort of fell off a little bit for him because he was looking at some of the other schools um, in Big 12 and SEC country, which is which is where he's from, which I assume was going to happen. You know, um, Ole Miss is the world. Um, Arkansas was in there, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And, uh, you know, the Terps just kept kept uh, pushing with that one with Loxley and Elijah Brooks and Raleigh Evans. And um, the, the connection that uh, – that Loxley had because he coached his brother, uh, Josh Jacobs is with the Oakland Raiders at Alabama. And, um, he sort of used that connection because, uh, because, uh, you know, Josh was, was telling Isaiah, you know, Hey, this is a great coach. This is a great guy. And Isaiah listened. And, um, he went with, um, he went with Maryland over Oklahoma state, which is a pretty big upset because that was the hometown school for him. Um, he did, it did, it did help that he had a knee injury and a couple of the other schools that, that, were pressing for him, backed off a little bit, such as Michigan and some of the bigger uh, Big 12 schools. Uh, they did back off a little bit, so Maryland benefited a little bit there, but um, they still they won a recruiting battle, and that was a pretty big deal for Maryland there. Well, Dave, something that I think at least I had a high interest in is there are four offensive tackles in this class. Do you think any of them could um, maybe get some playing time next year? Yeah. Is that, are you including Santana Saunders? I'm including Saunders in that one, yeah. Yeah, okay, so we're going to see what happens with Saunders. Um, he's got some 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 great things to work out, and he might he's another gray shirt candidate. So we're going to see. He might be part of the 2021 class. He did not sign. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, but the other ones, um, uh, gotcha. So because uh, I, I forgot which ones are guards and which ones are tackles. Delmar Glaze is one of the tackles, right, I think? He, uh, I think so. 
Yeah, I guess, yeah. Some there, there's so many of them. I forgot which one. <laughs> regardless, which one they're tackles. <laughs> yeah, uh, Del, yeah. These are guys like Delmar Glaze is gonna. Yeah, I was watching. He's he's a developmental guy. You know, obviously um, has the size, but he's got some things to work on. He's probably two years down the road. You just got to see John Reagan's got to develop him. It's just gonna matter. It's just gonna depend on how he develops and how he takes the coaching, um, which is true with a lot of these. Uh, some of these lower-rated freshmen that they took flyers on coming in, um, and then the, the junior college guys. Um, who else? Um, who are we talking about here? Um, at least listed here, we have Glaze, Jakari Green, and Zach Perkins are tackles. Oh no, Jakai Green is going to play offensive guard. I know he's six foot six, three ten, but I've seen him play live, and unless he really picks it up, um, I see him more of a guard. He even played. He didn't even play uh, at St. Francis. I mean, if you're playing guard in high school, that probably means you're going to be a guard. <laughs> you don't usually go from a guard in high school to a tackle in college. <laughs> usually, sometimes you go from a tackle in high school to a guard in college if you can't, you know, really deal with playing tackle at that next level. But um, he was a right guard at St. Francis, so he's probably going to play interior. Um, and then who, who was the who was the third one again? I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Zach Perkins. Oh yeah, Perkins. He's in the same boat as uh, as Glaze. He's got to. Um, he's more actually. I think he's more of a guard too, um, but he's more of a swing guy. He can play guard and tackle. He played both in high school. Um, a, a guy that you know, he's got good. He's three hundred twenty pounds, which is which is good because you need that size in the Big Ten. Just has to refine his fundamentals. He's got to work and he's got to develop. Um, you know, so it, it's all about development for these for these tackle types. They didn't get any highly rated tackles this year that you can say. Um, you know, this guy could be a contributor second year and as and maybe a rotational piece his first year kind of guys. Um, so uh, we'll see how these guys develop. Of course, Maryland hasn't had success with highly rated tackles or a ton of success. So maybe that's, that's, true. Maybe, maybe that's the way to go is taking developmental guys. So we'll see how, what happens with them. Uh, the last um, guy in the offensive line I wanted to ask about, because something someone I'm really curious about is Jahari Branch from Independence. Yeah, he's definitely a guard. He could play. Um, he could. He's a guy that I think. Um, just again, like I said, I keep saying this because I didn't see. I didn't see Independence play in person. I didn't. So I don't. I only know what his film says. And you know, he's got the size. He looks like somebody that could potentially start at that left guard spot with that's vacated by Sean Christie. He's a guy that could sort of maybe grab that spot. He'll probably be competing with Austin Fontaine um, and guys like that for, for that. But uh, he's, a, he's, he's already pretty well developed and looks sort of like a, an NFL type of body. So I think that he could be someone that could step in and take that left guard spot. Okay, Dave, uh, I just got two more for, for you. Uh, one that really sticks out to me, given the Terps' losses at this position group uh, going into this next season, is defensive back, able to add a few JUCOs at the end here and just a couple of freshmen, but really a spot that's in need of reinforcement given the performance that we saw this year. Anybody there that you're going to see making an immediate impact? You said as, as a defensive back? Yes. Yeah, on the, the, the JUCO they got um, green uh, from uh, Hutchinson. Um, I mean Bennett, Jacorian Bennett. Um, uh, five, the five eleven, one ninety two, uh, closer to six feet. Um, he's a hybrid uh, nickel safety corner, and um, they're going to use him all over the secondary. But he's got a shot to, to play from day one. Just um, just based on uh, based on you know 
what he was able to do down there at Hutchinson. He was, um, you know, he was he really he really shined on film, and he had some really good stats down there. Three picks, a bunch of t- a bunch of pass breakups, um, and uh, you know, he was like an all conference guy in JUCO. Uh, he looked like a really good pickup as a as a corner. Um, Tarheep still had, and you know, high, the thing is, he had a huge senior season, high school numbers in New Jersey high school football. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, but he looks like a, a nice player. Probably is going to need a year to develop. And, um, and so, and like I said, Bo Braid looks like a pretty good safety, probably going to need a year of development just to get used to, you know, big 10 football and the college level and things like that. And then, you know, Devin King from California, uh, played at a great program in Sarah. So, you know, that he's, he was well coached and very fundamentally sound. He's a guy that, that you might see as a rotational piece his first year, um, depending on you know how, how well he adjusts to the, to the collegiate game. And then my last one, I don't know if Jordan has any. Uh, Loxley said they were going to look for a quarterback. Anybody that you can see the Terps maybe picking up at quarterback? It's going to be transfer portal at this stage, unless there's somebody that, that just comes out of the blue. I don't see any any high school quarterbacks that they're going to, it's probably going to be a transfer that you're looking at here that they're going to plug in. So, and I don't have any names right now. That's, that's to be seen. So. All right. Um, I got two more as well, Dave. My first one is, so Mike Loxley kind of emphasized the importance of Ruben Hippolyte's uh, Twitter frenzy, if you will. And do you think that, having your players, your commits be vocal on Twitter and social media in general supporting you really does make a difference? Uh, it depends what kind of kids you're talking about. I mean, that's the, yeah, I think a lot of kids are followers, so I guess that, that that does help a little bit. But, you know, a lot of these kids are in group chats too, so maybe not necessarily on Twitter, but they, you know, they text each other, and most of these kids do know each other in some shape or form. So um, I, I guess I guess it could. It really just depends on the kid, though. Um, and mainly at the end of the day, it comes down to relationships with coaches more than anything. If the coaches show they want you, then then you got a shot. Um, regardless of uh, regardless of how other recruits are. are are going after you and things like that. So that do, I guess it does help a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be about player-coach relationships more than anything. All right. Um, this is going to be a total curveball for you, Dave, but I'm going to throw it. Heard anything about Zion Harmon? Oh, man. Um, yeah, he sounded pretty good. Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty good. Again, he's got two official visits coming up. Got to see what, what he thinks of Kansas, but, you know, um, it's looking pretty encouraging right now. I never want to get... You know, too hopeful because we, we were looking at this and we were we thought that um, uh, we thought that Maine from from Canada was 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 coming too, and that one sort of fell off the wayside. So it looks they're they are a good spot right now, but we'll see if they can close the deal. Um, if they keep winning and you know keep staying staying in the top five in the country, and you know, um, it, I think that Turgeon left a pretty good impression um, on on uh, on Zion there. So we'll see what happens with that one. But um, yeah, that's that, that's the one twenty, and he would reclass the twenty. 20 so he, he would probably be coming in next year which is very appealing to him and his father so yeah we'll see if they can close on that one in the spring alright oh, I'm good Mason you, you got anything else no, and just I, leave it up to Jordan to find a way to finish out the uh, football early yeah, signing period podcast with a, with a basketball <laughs> question oh well, now that early signing period's over in my opinion it's time to flip the page completely but I think we had a good signing day I don't know what you guys think but I had fun today 
Yeah, yeah. Well, babe, we, I still got another month or two to cover this stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see what they can do in February. Yes, we will. And as always, well, before we let Dave go, let them know where they can uh, find you on the web and on Twitter. Yep, uh, Terrapin Times, and uh, Twitter is at MD Terrapin Times. And as always, Dave, we'd like to thank you for coming on and uh, showing your great insight on our Terps recruiting. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And that was Dave Lamonico for Terrapin Times. And uh, if you're looking for a place for all of your Terps recruiting news, you can always subscribe to Terrapin Times, a great place to get all of your Terps info. Yep, um, and I am excited for Maryland football again. This this day has turned this whole thing around for me because I'll be the first to admit I was really down for a while. Yeah, I think most Terp fans were. were um, but a really bright day, a really bright spot in what's been a, a dark period for, for the Terps uh, football side. But a uh, way to get things back on track. Had a lot of beef uh, up front. Coach Loxley... Addressed it multiple times today, just to give us some of my opinions of what I saw in the press conference. He addressed the culture of the team, bringing guys in that are state champions, won a lot of games, come from reputable programs. He mentioned all the things you want to hear, you know, building strength, building guys that fit his culture, only taking guys that fit his culture, and then along with getting some, you know, top 300 players and top, you know, ESPN, if you didn't know, and I really didn't know this up until I think it was yesterday when I started to look, has a JUCO top 50 players. And a lot of the JUCOs the Terps got are on there. I believe two or three are. Getting ESPN 300 players, getting 247 composite five-star guy, you know, those things build a program. Those things uh, draw eyes. And and uh, I think Coach Loxley put it best, and this is where I'll finish on it for the day, Jordan. Uh, when... Maryland got Rakeem Jarrett. Loxley put out a tweet that says, and that's how you break the internet. That's what the Terps did today. Huge win uh, for Maryland football. Yeah, Rakeem Jarrett, like, we can talk all we want about how these three-star guys bring the program. I'm not saying that's untrue. It absolutely is. But the fact is, this is the type of thing that builds program momentum. Getting guys like Rakeem and getting him to stay home and being a top-20 recruit, that gets you eyes. It gets you attention from both casual fans, hardcore fans are excited about this. Everybody does. And I think starting the day off with that was a huge morale boost to this entire Maryland fan base. Saw everybody active on Twitter today. Everybody's excited yep. again. People believe in the rain at Loxley again. And what can I say? Hopefully the good times keep rolling with basketball tomorrow. You know, and it's something different. I just said I would leave this alone, but I won't. I'll say one more thing. Not only was it in every Maryland community, but I was listening to the Team 980 right after it happened. Uh, my favorite, uh, the doctor, Doc Walker, and uh, Al Galdi were on, and it made more than just part of their Jiffy Loop sports update. You know, they had it, they talked about it for a segment. You know, what Loxley's doing, getting what getting Rakim Jarrett means to the program, what it can mean for the future. You know, that's something different. You don't really hear the terms much on DC Sports Talk Radio, or even in Baltimore, to be frank. Um... Maryland doesn't get that much coverage, but today provided them some. This was a big news splash. One thing that I have to correct, uh, the kid's name is Bo Braid. I believe I called him Boo Braid earlier. His name is Bo. That was my bad, my mistake. I'm going back to correct it right now. And uh, really solid day for the Terps, and I think that's a wrap, Jordan. Yep, we will be back later this week, very early next week at the latest, to talk about Maryland's game against Seton Hall. And uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully the good times are rolling and we won't be furious next episode. Yeah, Jordan returning to the DMV too. I am back in the, the great state of Maryland. 
um, back here for, for just a few weeks, and Jordan will be too. We'll be at the Indiana Terps game on January 4th. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at YoungTerp1. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates in Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com, and Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, Allied is your number one source in the DMV. You can visit them on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>